This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Hello and welcome to MS Momentum, the radio show for people with MS, their family, and whanau and support teams. Now this week's very special radio star is Tilly, a social work student for 2021. Welcome Tilly. Thank you for having me. Now this is a Tilly didn't realise this until she sat down. This is a trial run. I'm going to be talking to Tilly this one, and she's going to be running our radio shows for the next couple of months while she's here. 50 days and counting. <laughs> she says. So unlike our previous social work students, Tilly is studying towards a master's degree. So how is that different from a, a, other students would have been in post-grad? Mm. So a master's is a bit more intense or... Yeah, so it's taught alongside the Bachelors of Social Work. However, we're um, held to a slightly different standard in terms of our assessments. We um, are expected to do a higher word count, a bit more analysis, things along those lines. So there are subtle differences between mm-hmm. the Bachelors and Masters, but they are taught alongside. Okay, and they've now gone, she's got an accent. So the listeners have now gone, She's Tilly's got an accent. So would you like to tell people where you're from? Absolutely. I am from San Francisco, California, very happily so. And while I loved it there, I'm quite loving it in Dunedin and happy to stay. Yep. Yeah. Been in New Zealand for about a year and a half and um, you guys have won me over. Cool. And Tilly will be seeing much more of the countryside as we wander out and about and air. well, with me in the field working role. So we've already been to Clutha. We're coming to Central and we'll be going to Omaru, where I will take it to the Rainbow Lolly Shop. Perhaps. <laughs> Not always. Okay. So you're an international student and you are here because? Well, it's kind of a funny story, um, if you'll indulge me. Mm-hmm. I, I came to Backpack for a year after, you know, years of doing all the conventional things. I'd had enough and decided I wanted to roam around the planet for as long as I could afford to. And my mm-hmm. first stop was New Zealand. And I loved it, and I started in the North Island, made my way down here, and was pretty quickly enamored with Dunedin. There's a lot of things that remind me of San Francisco, but all my favorite things about San Francisco. Um, nice. Back before the days of Google. I hope I'm allowed <laughs> to say that. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, very quickly fell in love with it here, and as luck would have it, three months after I arrived, the world went into lockdown. Mm, and as, so I stayed. Does. Yes, as it does during a global pandemic. And mm. so I stayed and had been toying with the idea of going back to school. Uh, I did my bachelor's of anthropology, cultural anthropology and religious studies um, at Humboldt State in California, which was lovely. And I'd been ready to start a master's and fate just sort of put me in mm. this direction. I applied for the master's in social and community work, and I got in, nice. and now here we are. <laughs> so that's um, it's quite useful for us to have someone who has a very different take on on the medical system and the social work system because we have very, very different systems, mm. um, and we also have the division between if you have a disability and if you have a disability because of an accident in New Zealand, so the ACC versus the the um, Ministry of Health route. So it's been quite interesting to watch Tilly's reactions to some things is quite amusing. Mm. Um, I'm sure she doesn't think that, but I do. It's quite cool. So I'm hoping part of the reason Tilly's on here today is because I really would please like people to um, to open up their lives a little bit and let Tilly do some home visits and some chats with you guys. She's going to be coming to all the groups while she's with us just so that we can give back because the community, the wider university community gives so much to us and 
if we're and if you're in Dunedin, then you get all the students. But because because I'm the field officer, then I'm going to have the ability to bring Tilly all over the place, and I'm quite excited about having that. And we've had social work students in the past who've just had a blast when we go off, whip around the countryside, and they mm-hmm. get to meet people. So it's it's great for people uh, for students to be aware of what's around on different different areas as well, and different areas in Otago. So we're going to. Um, yeah, you'll see a lot of Tilly in the f- next few months, one would hope, because you've got, when do we finish? Oh, do you finish? Around about October, I October, believe. October, yeah. yeah. So she'll be around for a while, and she'll be here in a week week as well. So we are going to go shortly to the musical choice. Um, you can listen to this and other podcasts on oar.org.nz. Now... Tilly's choice of music is a song called World at Large by a band called Modest Mouse. Can you explain to us who Modest Mouse are, please, before we start the music? I wish I could. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, I'm only only versed in a few of their songs and I've loved them all, but I don't know much about their history or... uh, are they a Kiwi? Are they? A, I think they're an American band, American yeah. or British, as they oh, so right. many tend to be. Yes. Um, which you know, that's my my perspective. I'm sure people would love to argue with that. That's okay. Um, but yeah, this is a funny song because I one day just had the riff stuck in my head, and I had no idea where it came from, and it was driving me insane. And I contacted every musician I know and hummed mm-hmm. them this little ditty oh, okay. trying to figure out what song it was and for about a week it just was like scratching my brain and I finally found it and found the lyrics to be extremely relevant to my life yep. and my story and where I was and so I thought it would just be a good good way to introduce myself here. Nice. So we're going to let you listen to World at Large by Modest Mouse. Ice Age Heatwave can't complain If the world's at large, why should I remain? Walked away to another plant Gonna find another place, maybe one I can stand I move on to another day To a whole new town with a whole new way Went to the porch to have a thought Got to the door and again I couldn't stop You don't know where and you don't know when But you still got your words and you've got your friends Walking on to another day Work a little harder, work another way Well, uh, uh, baby, I ain't got no plan Gonna float on, maybe, would you understand? Gonna float on, maybe, would you understand? Well, I float on, maybe, would you understand? Shorter and the nights get cold I like the autumn but this place is getting old I pack my belongings and I head from the coast It might not be a lot but I feel like I'm making the most The days get longer and the nights smell green I guess it's not surprising but it's spring and I should leave Songs about drifters, books about the same They both seem to make me feel a little less insane Walked on off to another spot I still haven't gotten anywhere that I want Did I want love? Did I need to know? Why does it always feel like I'm caught in an undertow?
themselves to get the beautiful lights Adding the breeze to the summer nights Outside water like air was great I didn't know what I had that day Walk a little farther to another plan You said that you didn't but you didn't understand Starting over's not what life is about But my thoughts were so loud I couldn't hear my mouth My thoughts were so loud I couldn't hear my mouth My thoughts were so That was World at Large by the band called Modest Mouse, a name I'm not going to forget in a hurry. And it was Tilly's <laughs> choice. So, Tilly, what would you like? What do you think would be useful for the clients to know about you, so that we can, um, so they can potentially engage a bit more with you or get a bit of a feel for who you are? Mm. Tilly's not. The other students we've had have been reasonably young, and Tilly is incredibly old. <laughs> Incredibly Thank you old. For that. <laughs> she's not. She's still really young, but she's a bit older than our other clients, and she's got a, uh, our other students at least, and she's got a bit more life experience. So, um, just because you've bit older and you've worked full time and done those things and been at uni for a bit of a longer time and done the travel, so you have a bit of a wider perspective, mm. which is quite useful, I think, for for the client base to know about you. Right. So, is there anything that you'd like the clients to know about you? I think that it's worth mentioning, particularly with the MS Society, that I grew up around MS, Mm -hmm. actually, which is one of the primary reasons I was drawn to social work, first of all, and then found that I had the opportunity to do a placement here with you um, was was so exciting to me because... You poor thing. Yeah, I've got a strange way of looking at the world, I think. The things (laughs) that most people say, oh, no, 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 I say, give it to me, please. I want it. (laughs) So um, when I was five years old, my dad was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, um, which, of course, had a very big impact on Mm. our whole family. And I think that that is the point that I'd like to make known to people I work with is is how much I understand that this disease and disabilities at large, but particularly um, I'm first with MS, it impacts your family. And I have a lot of um, understanding for that and compassion for it. Um, I think in a way that you have to have lived through it or be around it a lot to understand the fact that, you know, particularly with MS, it affects your cognitive functioning. And when you've lived with someone who has that, you can see it differently and you can have a certain level of patience 
and um, just understanding that that only can come from experience. Yeah. Um, so I hope that my knowing what MS feels like as a daughter of a person who had it, I hope that that can translate to our clients so that they can see that I see something in them that um, can be missed in other contexts. Yeah, and, and potentially that's actually quite useful for me for um, because you might pick up other things within the family context that I might not. Mm-hmm. And actually for some of their families, it might be quite nice to know that we've got someone on board, even for a short period of time, who understands what living in a family with someone with a long-term con- um, health condition can be like mm-hmm. and the stresses around that. And also... You know, there's is a is a bugger of a thing, but mm. it's there's also many more options for for um, joyous things to happen or things that you the world life takes you in different directions and some things that you thought you would never do if you are diagnosed with MS you end up doing because you can mm. right like going on on um, outward bound or the other one, Spirit of Adventure, or, you know, deciding you're going to bike or run or do whatever because you can. Right, absolutely. You get this sense of, I don't know how long I'll have this option, so I'm going to use it now. And it's it's interesting before you were talking about the differences between the American system and mm. the system here. And one of the one of the most stark contrasts that I've noticed since getting involved with you and getting involved with the MSCW program is how much community is prioritized in Dunedin, perhaps in New Zealand real yeah. large. I'm still getting to know the climate. New Zealand, but, yeah. but the focus at, at MS Otago is a lot about supporting people, mm-hmm. whereas the model in the States, as I've known it, is a lot about supporting research, and it's a lot about finances. Uh, yeah. And that difference, I think, is huge. To be able to focus on helping people get access to resources mm-hmm. and helping people get the supports that they need so that they and their family can can get by yep. and hopefully thrive. Um, whereas in the U.S., we have such an individualized culture that if you have a problem, any problem, it's really up to you to deal with it. Yeah. You don't have a Valerie coming and knocking on your door and saying, what's going on? Let me check in with you. I'm going to ask the hard questions and make sure I can do what I can to support you. You get individuals. In the case of my family, you have um my mom, who was mm. calling around to look for resources and was working so yeah. hard and had to stop working so that she could be a full-time caregiver. And that never sat well with me. So it's been quite a breath of fresh air to come into this environment where the support reaches out to you rather than the other yeah. way around. Yeah. Uh, although, to be fair, a lot of people uh, are self-referred to mm. MS Otago. Mm-hmm. But it's quite the best part of my job is when I had uh, clients a wee while ago, and they they were things were going wrong. Uh, um, the disability was increasing with MS because it's a progressive disease, and that meant that the person with MS was becoming less mobile even within the home. Mm-hmm. So they rang me in desperation, right. and I'm like, "Oh, yep, sure, we can do that." So now they have. Um, Oh, so exciting. So very exciting. They have a bathroom she can use. Mm. They have a chair she can get out of easily. Like even things like having your furniture lifted and to get it in and out of it. Yep. So and ramps put in so she can get around the house mm-hmm. and all these really simple things, but it's 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 
um, what is it that you, it's stuff that you, if you don't know it, you don't know it? That's, the, that's exactly it. It's, it's simple if you know that yeah. it's there. But if you, because MS is a progressive disease, you might live with it and be managing your symptoms and be fully mobile and, mm. and physically be able to manage uh, quite well. And then it can progress quickly, which was the yeah. case um, with my dad. So that left, although he had had the disease for over a decade before his mobility became severely impaired, my mom did not know what resources were available. Yeah. She didn't know how to help him. And there wasn't, as far as she could tell, and she did lots of lots of research, there wasn't just a source for those things to say. There wasn't, you know, for example, the Living Well Disability Resource yeah, Center. Absolutely. There wasn't just a storefront where she could go in and say, my husband's having trouble getting out of the chair. What can we do about that? Yeah. It wasn't until she saw on Craigslist, which is the U.S. equivalent of Trade Me, she that she saw a lifting chair just by chance and thought, oh, oh that right. might be useful. That's and so, so imagine how isolating that is not to be, you know, in this situation where you want to provide for your partner mm. or, you know, your any family member or someone who you care about and you don't know that there are these things available. So to have a resource where, yes, you do have to be self-referred, but in doing so, this world of opportunity opens up so that mm. you can get up and down the stairs or you can get something to make you able to get out of your chair or yeah. into your house. I mean, we don't it's so easy for people to not think about the small, maybe I was about to say inches, but I'll try to think in <laughs> centimeters, um, the small few centimeter lip between the outside of your house and yeah. into your door. It's very easy to not think about how hard it can be to lift up your foot and get it yeah, through the threshold. And it's really hard yes, if you have if, any foot drop, which right. a lot of people do have foot drop, don't you? Yeah, and if you've got someone who can help you get access into your own house, it makes a yeah. huge difference. And But one of the things I think is probably, that is probably similar across the systems is that disability is isolating. Mm, absolutely. And it... Um, like I use the context of COVID lockdown for some of my clients that didn't make any difference at all right. because they were already quite isolated. So whatever, wherever you are, disability can be isolating. But here I think we're a bit um, like if you live in New Zealand, you get your wheelchair, your walker. You right. know, if you're really lucky, you get your bathroom and your ramps for free through the Ministry of Health. Or right. if you are in the ACC route, then that's a, that's a different thing and you're funded specifically for those things but it's it's knowing where to go and who to go to so quite often I see in people that re, that either are referred to me self-refer as that they don't really know someone with MS mm. and then they'll go oh you need to talk to this you need to shoulder tap this person and talk to this person right because it's it's getting that information and also the other thing is sometimes I can't do anything right it's and I find that really hard and really frustrating because I know what's available for people, but sometimes there is nothing I can do because the people don't fit the criteria, right? Which are stupid criteria in most points. <laughs> You'll all agree with me on that. I can imagine you all nodding, going, "Yes, they are stupid criteria." So, and I mean, there's there's such a difference between the American system and our system, but there's also quite a lot of difference between us and Australia. Whereas you would sure. think probably potentially not. But Australia has, um, they manage most disabilities difference and they do manage MS quite differently. Mm. But there's also that push for research. And there's, I don't know that the push for research in New Zealand around MS is quite so strong because it's not, it's not stroke, it's not dementia. Right. Um, like I've had chats with the fantastic um, professor at uni who does great research into stroke about 
why he's not doing MS. Mm. It's because he's doing stroke. But I want him to do MS. <laughs> so, you know, and people don't always listen to me. But we need to have an, an, another part of the service which is really important, I think, is advocacy. Absolutely, absolutely. Because it, it sounds like with your mum, she didn't have anyone to actually go into bat for her. No. And that's that's a part of this role and a part of the wider social work role that uh, depending on which role you end up in, Tilly, that advocacy might not be something you can do within your role. Mm-hmm. And I struggle with that because I'm not a social worker. And I see that, that to me, that is the most where people can be the most useful. Well, and I think that that's a great point because you don't have to be a social worker to be an advocate. No. And I think that it's really, um, I think that there's a big push right now. I see it on social media a lot and I see it just with so many people who want to advocate for those who either can't or are unwilling or unable, whatever the case Mm -hmm. might be, who can't advocate for themselves necessarily. But I think it's a really great point to remember that no matter if you're a social worker or if you work in any other context, you can always use your voice to speak for people. You can always choose to be compassionate and try to take a moment and see where somebody else is coming from. Even if you can't see where they're coming from, acknowledge that you can't see where they're coming from Mm -hmm. and use your voice, whether it's in your peer group or whether you have an opportunity to be on a radio show, use your voice to speak up for people. Because because if you have to advocate for yourself constantly, that's exhausting. It is. To have a network or a friend or a social worker or a field officer or somebody who can help you do that. Um, it makes a big difference because if you think about all of our different social cir- circles, they intersect. And mm. In New Zealand, they intersect very quickly. Oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Tully's, Tully's learned the, the world in Dunedin is a very small place. At her very first meeting she went to even. I did, yes. And and what I've seen, though, is that it, although our social circles often overlap, there is there are outliers, and those outliers are the people who's, who you can open up a door mm. for and get them exposed to something that they haven't been exposed to yet. Maybe you've got a friend who's never heard of MS. And so you can just say, this is what it is. It stands for multiple sclerosis. This is what happens to the body. It affects everybody differently. But Mm. um, because of that, it can open up the door for that person to be a bit more patient if they see someone who's maybe struggling with a door handle or or maybe taking a minute to find their words. And you can, rather than get frustrated, you can just say, oh, I actually don't know what's going on inside their body. So maybe I'll just be a bit more kind. I'll be a bit more patient with them. I think that's, um, like, I love the term hurry up and wait. Mm, yeah. And quite often, like struggling with words is something you mentioned, and quite often that is something with people with MS generally can have quite a few issues with, but to be fair, I've been having a few issues with that myself <laughs> this week. And it's just, I learned this really cool trick, is if you can't, if you know what you're trying to say and you cannot remember the word. Mm-hmm. So you say, it's blue, it's wet, it's mm. big, and somebody goes, it's a sea. Yeah, exactly. So it's like you, you describe it. Yes. and that, If you can. If you can. It's a helpful tool. It's funny. So, yeah, and it's quite, it can be quite entertaining, some of the results you get, because it might not be, it's big, it's blue, it's a sparkle. Yeah, you know, you could be. Yeah, you never know what you're going to get. It's funny because having grown up with a father with MS, I developed a habit of finishing people's sentences, mm-hmm. because, and I didn't know that until I started working with you. And I realized that that's something that I just started doing, and I thought it was normal. And it's a little rude sometimes because I know what you're trying to say. But you're trying to say it. I'm yeah. not. So I have to stop myself from time to time. And I thought, where does that come from? Oh, it comes from a lifetime of of being around you know, a different kind of cognitive functioning. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And it's and everybody, um, like as I described MS to you, the snowflake disease that every right. single person is different. Absolutely. And the lesions are in different places and people can truck along for a really long time with things going quite nicely and sometimes they fall over and then things will get back to normal or if they've had a relapse. So there's also, in our New Zealand context, there's different, Tilly and I have had chats um, about insurance Hey, if you have insurance in the States, you're covered and you'll get access to more medication? Hopefully. Hopefully. If you have good insurance. Good insurance, yeah. Whereas here, our access is quite, uh, to medication for MS is quite restrictive and quite right. limited. Mm. Um, and we don't, well, they totally didn't know this. I was a wee bit surprised. Didn't know that there are dedicated MS centres in the States. No, I didn't, which you'd think, having grown up in a major metropolitan mm. area, I would know that. But no, I did, I, and maybe that's something a bit more recent than than my time with MS in the states. I, I really don't know. No. But um, yeah, yeah, I didn't had no idea. <laughs> the one I know about, to be fair, is in Atlanta. But um, uh, we don't have dedicated MS centres. We have MS societies, and mm. we have those across the country. Mm. I think we we used to have eighteen. Now we've got seventeen MS societies. So it's okay. Well, we've talked too much. So now we're being we told to get sometimes. off the air. So that's okay. <laughs> so <laughs> thanks, Tilly. Um, you can tell this is going to be a very noisy uh, placement for Tilly. This has been Emmy Smamington with oar.org.nz and a special radio guest star is Tilly, who's going to be your host for the next few events. So thank you so much for coming in today, Tilly. Thank you for having me. Look forward to the future ones. No worries. The Otago Multiple Sclerosis Society aims to empower people with multiple sclerosis and their families by providing them with information and skills to participate actively in the community in ways that are meaningful to them. MSOtago.org.nz or give us a call toll free on on 0508 MS Otago. That's 0508 6768 246. Otago Multiple Sclerosis Society working for the people of Otago. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.